the latest edition of the Lost Words podcast, we were joined by Ryan French, who runs a Twitter account, Monday Q Info. And we just wanted to talk to Ryan about how the page came about, what his aspirations were when he started and what they are now. Uh, now he's got a large following. And really just the best stories that he's come across and put together. And also what he plans for the future. And, and also some of the players that we may not have heard about, but he expects to have a good career going forward and are really playing some good golf on the mini tours. I'll be too nervous though. I'll probably be lots of words. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined today by Ryan French, uh, Monday Q Info on Twitter. Um, if you don't follow him already, you should be doing so because he's uh, representing a sort of underseen part of the game. Um, a lot of guys are appreciating the work that he's done, but I still think there's some more out there uh, to sort of get some recognition. So, Ryan, hello. Thanks, Tom. Hey, uh, I'm happy to be on and thank you for asking me to be on. Absolutely. So, Ryan, just how did you get to starting this page? I know you've done some interviews in the past sort of explaining your backstory and uh, I don't think you quite expected it to take off as it has. Yeah, I mean, uh, try to keep it as short as possible. Yeah, um, so I played the, how it really, the core of it was um, after college, and this is 20 years ago, my dad and I used to uh, go caddy on a mini tour. Um, yeah, so we would go to a mini tour, caddy together for pros. So that was kind of my insight into the life of these guys. So fast forward many years. Um, I was in the restaurant business. I ran a group of restaurants. And so um, about two and a half years ago, uh, what I call the perfect storm kind of happened is um, we lost our long-term nanny, our nanny who had been with us for a long time, graduated from college. Uh, The restaurant group that I was working for went bankrupt. And then my son had brain surgery. So all those things like kind of happened in about uh, a three-month period. And, uh, we decided that I was going to be a stay at home dad. So I started the account. I had followed guys. I caddied maybe once a year, caddied in Monday qualifiers throughout Q school, corn Ferry, those kind of things like throughout the years and had like just become friends with guys that I had caddied for. So I was checking these mini tours anyway, following up with guys that I knew or I caddied for. And so I started the account honestly, to just have something to do that was not watching cartoons all day. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, on a, like people ask a lot is like, how many followers did you think you have? I, I didn't know. I like 500 would have been a crazy amount. Uh, so I thought like some of my friends, I didn't, I underestimated how many golf nerds are out there like myself. Um, and I underestimated how like these stories just haven't been told. So the human interest side, uh, you know, really took over. And I mean, it's been a crazy ride. I'm, I'm very appreciative of the support. And here we are at whatever, 33,000. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing is that you say there that, you, you know, you didn't know what to expect. And it's very easy to to really not see anything coming as well as yourself. And, you know, I, I still think it's mad that a thousand people follow me on Twitter. You know, I don't really have much to say. And um, to go from sort of 500 as a, as a sort of goal, if you like, and uh, just to keep doing it as a hobby and, and to keep yourself sane during a, a time at home, it, you know, and to suddenly reach sort of 33,000, 35,000 people. And, uh, and, you know, and then these guys are professional golfers are just relying on you now for information really also not just the guys that are playing on the tours but also the guys that are looking out for their buddies and, and friends that are playing the mini tours as well yeah i'm i mean it's really kind of evolved and ebbed and flowed about what, like who my audience is yeah there's there's a lot of pga tour guys that that follow me to check up on their buddies um or send me their buddy story uh you know i've got messages from very good PGA Tour members that are like, hey, here's my buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, parents, grandparents, um, friends, girlfriends, sisters. Um, you know, I think it just is a wide variety. And again, I think they're very appreciative because this level of golf is such a family affair because everyone's involved, whether that's financially or 
those kind of things. It's just, you know, there's parents who are supporting their kids or um, sponsors who are supporting players or those kind of things that are all invested in, in their success and their story. So, um, you know, my audience has kind of encompassed all of those people outside of, you know, casual golf fans. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there, there's always been kind of the information out there for these mini tours, leaderboards and things like that. Not, not so much live. Um, obviously, you normally get sort of nine hole scores and 18 hole scores, don't you? And But generally speaking, it was just names on a sheet, wasn't it? And, you know, you'd, you'd see the guys that got into the PGA Tour event that week and you might say, okay, well, these guys Monday qualified. And if they finished well, there was a follow-up to it. If they didn't finish well, it was right. Okay, well, they, they qualified and that was it. And and now you're kind of getting a deeper dive into that. And especially when players such as, you know, Corey Connors go and Monday qualify and win, um, you know, Doc Redmond had a, a really good finish and then got beat by a guy who didn't quite qualify that week. Um, yeah, you know, right. That's when the interest probably starts to, to go on board. And, you know, I think back to Patrick Reed. He was a guy that actually Monday qualified for six of his first 12 events on the PGA Tour. Um and he relied on those starts to get in. Um, you know, whatever you may think about him, he, you know, he had to work through that route. And this is a, this is a step that other people are taking now, and and it shows just how quickly a couple of good weeks can change your life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what has that prior to the account that is what always drove me to uh, Monday qualifiers. And there's no there's nothing in sports that compares to it that I know of. Uh, you know, tennis has like qualifying tournaments, but you have to win multiple events. And um, there's like, there's nothing, there's no, I always say this is there's no three point, three point contest before an NBA game uh, in order to, you know, play on an NBA team. Yeah. Uh, you, you can literally be a, a, a follower of mine. And I've used this quote and I should, I should pay him for it. Cause I use it so much <laughs> is, you can go from folding sweaters on Sunday to the PGA tour on Monday. And I mean, it's true. It happens relatively often. Um, you know, there, there's just no other comparison that I know of in sports where you can go from being a Joe blow, nobody to at the very least a chance to win on the best tour in the world. It's just, it's un, it's, it's just so crazy. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, Doc Redmond has had a, a decorated amateur career, but he was really struggling when he Monday qualified. He had lost, you know, he had missed at Web at Corn Ferry School. He had missed at Latin American School. Now he had Canadian status, but like he was way down the rungs of pro golf. And 90 holes later, he's a PGA Tour member, and his and his life and career changed in 90 holes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well is another thing you touched upon there is there is obviously these obviously the tour subsidiaries as well, there's Latino America and, and Canada and things like that, that, you know, yes, it's good to have membership on there and there's a little bit of security, but really and truly it's still hard to make a, a real career and a and a living from just those tours. At the end of the day, everyone's uh goal is to reach the PJ tour and the fact that you can rock up on a Monday and and it's the scores you have to shoot on that Monday to get in, right? So, you know, that you can shoot, I think the slogan you use is 65 and you're still not in. So it, it's an incredible round of golf you have to play to make sure you qualify for that event. Yeah, I mean, you have to catch lightning in a bottle, for sure. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of guys every week that have decorated PGA Tour careers that have lost status that, that don't get through on Mondays. Uh, I mean, there's certain Mondays where the field is as good or better than, you know, a corn fairy event. Uh, so yeah, it, it's difficult. I'm it's, uh, I mean, it's really difficult to shoot 66 consistently is really tough to do. And that's what you have to do in order to even have a chance to get through on a Monday. And so, yeah, it's really difficult, but I love the fact that, you know, you can walk from being a club pro or just a guy who's a very good golfer and be on the PGA tour. Yeah, and this is the thing as well, is it does show how many good golfers there are out there, doesn't it? I mean, it, you know, we see, you know, the 150 guys that have got a PGA Tour card in a season and then the second tour in, in the Corn Ferry as well, uh, who are also very, very good. And there is such a fine margin between going from the, from the secondary tour to the top tour and also just from being on these mini tours. I mean, you see guys that are winning on mini tours all the time that just can't quite make the step up. And... It really is just a great way to get an insight into what what 
the the difference is between those kind of players and the very best in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it all the time is if you are a casual golf fan, or for me, per se, like I'm a very big golf nerd, but I mean, I played with a couple of pros the other day when I played, and to look at their game is like, of course, there's differences, uh, but their game is really, really good. Uh, and so it, I think that people, I mean, another point of the, of the account is to understand how good the guys are that are not making it on the PGA tour. Um, my wake up call was the first time I caddied, I caddied for a guy named Ryan Yip and him and I became friends and I caddied for him a bunch of times and I had played college golf, so I kind of understood, but we went out for a practice round and I mean, he shot 66, like it was, you know, 75 is just so easy. And I was like, Holy cow. You know, why is my thought was, why isn't this guy in the PGA tour? And then I learned that, you know, it's consistency or one pulse, one small part of their game that is just not quite there. But, but the line is, is razor thin for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see even the ones that have success in these Monday qualifiers. So I think back to, we just spoke about Patrick Reed who qualified six times in a season, but then TJ Vogel shot, you know, he made eight Monday qualifiers in a, in a season and still struggles to kind of make uh, a really good going of a career in, in, in golf, especially on the PGA Tour. And it, ju- it just shows, that obviously, even even those weeks where you're playing really, really well and qualifying, you then got another step up to play well for four days in a row. Yeah, I think TJ's story just shows, like you said, how good the guys on the PJ Tour are. I mean, TJ Vogel, that record, in my opinion, will never be broken. Eight Mondays in one season is just unreal. It will, again, I, I can't believe it will be broken. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, he struggled with playing four rounds during those events. I think he only made two or two or three cuts that year. And, you know, I mean, he's, if you played with TJ Vogel, he's a, he's a great golfer. Yeah. And, I mean, he's even struggling, you know, he's like down in the 50s or 60s on the Corn Ferry points list. So, yeah, the level is, on a day-to-day basis, a lot of golfers that are not on the PGA Tour could beat some of the best players on on the PGA Tour. But, you know, that consistency to play 72 holes often makes the cream rise to the top. Yeah, and also I think a lot of it is, is opportunity as well, isn't it? I, I always think back to a story of, uh, of Jim Herman, um, who was a club pro um, at one of uh, you know President Trump's courses, um, and, and Trump played with him and, and sort of asked him why he wasn't a professional uh, or playing on the, on the tour. And, um, you know, it takes just something like that for people to recognise, actually, well, this guy's really, really good, and he needs a nudge and a bit of confidence in the right direction to really make a go at it. And sometimes it's just a case of, of having the money isn't it that money is such a big factor in these things that you know if you haven't got a sponsorship lined up or if you had one chance at an event but you didn't play well that week it doesn't mean you can't play well the week after it's just you need to be able to financially support yourself as well yeah i mean the, i always say this is i obviously on many tours there's plenty of guys who shouldn't be out there but have money and and they are out there but often what stops top players that don't make it to the PGA tour in the first few years is money. It's not talent. Um, like you said, it's an opportunity. I mean, I could list guys that like if they, if you gave them a PGA tour card, if they didn't have to get through Q school, they would have easily stayed on the PGA tour, but they, you know, just didn't play well at Q school ever. They just, you know, struggled with the pressure or whatever. And then eventually they run out of money and, you know, you bring up a point, you brought up a point earlier about the Latin American tour, the Canadian tour, uh, China. And, I mean, that costs a lot of money. Those guys are losing money. Uh, I know Tom Whitney, he finished second uh, on the Latin American money list this year. I think he made $86,000. And crazy, he sent it? me, he's, yeah, he sent me his... Um, you know, his financial thing that he shared. So this is not anything that he hasn't offered to share with everyone, but yeah. at the end of the end of the year, he brought home $11,000, Wow! And, you know, expenses and trainers and travel and all those things. And so that guy's second on the money list. And so you can imagine <clears throat> what guys like 10th and down, they don't make money. Yeah. So 
you know, to, to go ask people to say, Hey, you know, I need 30 grand to go chase my dream. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of guys who just run out of money and, and, and have to stop. Yeah. This is the thing as well. You know, we're talking about the, the Canadian tour here the, and Latin American tour, uh, that are affiliated with the PGA and, and they've got financial backing to offer those purses, but there's obviously guys that are playing mini tours for even less money and you know they might win five six times in a season and still if they don't qualify through tour school or you know get a monday qualifying start and play well they're still struggling to make a living out of it i know one of the stories i was keen to talk about is eric barnes at the moment i mean he's uh, a corn ferry tour professional uh, he plays very well. He, he won a mini tour event last uh, couple of days ago, didn't he, by five shots. But he still has to subs- subsidise himself by working at, at Publix at the moment just to get through the next few months until they start again. Yeah, I mean, Eric's a great story. Uh, like you said, he has two two young kids at home. And so, you know, mini tours are not going to pay the bills. You're, you're paying playing for your own money, uh, you know, and you're paying for, depending on what tour you play on, between 75 and... 85% of the money you put in. So unless you're winning very, very consistently, and even when you do that, uh, you know, you have a couple bad weeks and now you're back to, to break even. So, you know, I mean, the, the tour that Eric won on, um, you know, the West Florida tour entry fees, 260 bucks. He won two grand, but you know, not too many bad tournaments in a row. And all of a sudden that, that $1,800 in profit you made is, is gone pretty quickly. And so, yeah, Eric's a great story, and you know he is a is a guy who just doesn't have money, and doesn't have sponsors. So, yeah, he's got to work at Publix, and I think it's a great insight into what the dedication at that level of golf is um, for guys to chase their dream. You know, I mean, he could easily go and get a pretty good club pro job and live pretty comfortably, you know, be at home all the time, but. But that's not what he wants, and that's not his dream. His dream is to be the, on the PGA Tour. And and from a financial standpoint, you know, like many sports, the minor leagues and the major leagues, there's such a difference. I mean, a couple of good years on the PGA Tour, and he's a millionaire. So, uh, you know, that carrot is out there. I talked to Ed Lohr, who chased it for a long time, got up and down to the Tour a couple times, and I said, why? And he said, that carrot out there is so big it's hard to, you know, hang it up when you're so close. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose especially as well when, when they know they're good enough. This isn't just um, a fantasy in their head, is it, where they think, well, actually, no, I can compete. It's not It's not the everyday sort of handicapped golfer that goes, oh, maybe one day if I put it all together. These are professional golfers that are very, very good. It just happens to be that there's 150, 200 players that are, a sl- not a sl- some of them are majorly better than them, but some are slightly better than them and just have status that year so it's as well as uh as a personal thing there's also families like you say they were very to think about where he's got you know a wife and two children at home that he's got to support whilst also they're letting him go on and chase his dream and that's an amazing story to be able to tell and how does from a personal point for you how does it make you feel that you know you share a story like that now and on your twitter account and not only is our whole host of followers offering to help and donate and things like that but he's also getting media coverage on golf channel and, and golf.com and things like that yeah i mean it's surreal from a from an account standpoint uh like i still send when i when i get mentioned in an article or my tweet gets in a on golf channel i still send a screenshot or a picture to my parents or i, I share it with my wife and kids and those kind of things so from that standpoint it's very surreal it's very I, I can't appreciate it enough, but from the player's perspective, like I really try my best to make the account as much about the players. And, uh, you know, I just shared a story, Daniel Mazzotti, Mazzotta, who lives in a van for any time he goes to an event, had $29 in his pocket. You know, players, uh, people, my followers uh, got him a, uh, an apartment for the week. Some guy paid for his entry fee, got some spending money. I mean, it really makes me feel great because that's the point is, is Daniel's a great golfer who's been on the corn Ferry tour and is one of those guys that, you know, with the right break here and there, he could be the, on the PGA tour. And he was pretty close to having money stop 
you know, him chasing his dream. And, uh, you know, my followers stepped up and, and really helped him out. And that's awesome because that's really the point of the, of the account is to, is to help these guys out. Yeah, that's the thing there. And that was the one example I was going to use. And I'm glad you brought him up because uh, you put the tweets out and, you know, I looked down the replies and everyone was just, you know, what's your Venmo? What's your username? Let me send you some money. You know, if, not even just the money side of things, but there was people saying, you know, if you're in LA, give me a shout. You've got a, you've got a place to stay. You know, you don't have to stay in the van all night. And, and that's going to change his life because, you know, not only is he struggling paycheck to paycheck, but also he's, He's sleeping in a van. There's no, there's no two ways. Of, that can't be good for your golf. Um, physically, that's going to take a, you know, a toll on you. So for someone to put you up for a night, so you can go and and play your very best golf and and relax and have some money by your side, it it really shows the power of social media. And and a lot of the times we view social media as a negative, but that's how quickly, you know, you can impact someone's life from from what you start as a hobby at home. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, Daniel. I say that a lot about mini tour golf is guys on the PGA tour have pressure. There's no doubt about it. There is their, their living, but uh, there's plenty of guys who, who tee it up in a mini tour event that, you know, if they don't cash and Daniel's a perfect example, if they don't get in the cash, that's their last event for a while and they'll go work for a while and then save up some money and do it again. But, but real pressure is when you don't have any money in your, in your, uh, bank account and you're you know you got events to play next week and and i mean daniel's uh story he played in a small event called the parker open and opened with a 75 and really was out of it to uh make any money and and really played well the last two days in order to get his entry fee back so he could even be at the scottsdale open and you know i can't imagine that i have to imagine that that pressure is a little bit greater than the pressure the guys on the PGA Tour feel. Uh, again, not to discount the pressure that guys on the PGA Tour feel, they do, but to to play for an entry fee is pretty significant pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done a few of these podcasts now, and and one of the people I spoke to sort of said, you know, if if he's staring a miscut in the face, uh, you know, it, something sort of switches in him, and and he puts a puts a foot down and, and performs well and, and he needs that kind of pressure to keep him going but that is to sort of to to get into next week and hire up the the race to dubai or the fedex cup standings that's not a pressure to to live and these guys are actually going you know if they can't if they can't play well that week they can't play for like you say six seven weeks until they've made some money again so it really is a different kind of pressure and i think it's testament to your profile that that these guys are getting support. I know uh, Danny Woodhead, who's a former NFL running back, sort of retweeted the story of of Danny there and, and shared it so that, you know, that that's something that just very quickly alerts someone to a sponsorship and that supports him for a season of golf. And, and that's how yeah. quick something can change. Yeah, I mean, I got a message. Yeah, it had passed, uh, you know, Eric Barnes, you, you, you're on social media, you know that these stories disappear pretty quickly. But... Um, yeah, I got a message yesterday. A guy said, hey, I own a large uh, butcher shop. Uh, I'd love to put my logo on Eric's uh, shirt. Can you get me in contact with him? And so, you know, I sent it to Eric, and I, I haven't heard whether that's going to work out or not. But, I mean, that's – I love that. That's awesome. It's good for Eric. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Um, it's good good for companies and, and those kind of things. I do want to say one thing about Daniel – these guys don't tell me their stories in order to make money. Um, no. You know, he told me a story because it's it's a it's a great story, and I think I've hopefully earned the players' trust to tell it in the correct way. And so, uh, you know, it's just an awesome story. And I people are always behind the underdog, and my followers are just unbelievable to these people great yeah and that's the thing there is is i'm glad you said that because that was one of the questions i was going to ask is that you you do and and it was yesterday as well you sort of faced a little bit of a blowback about the outlaw tour was that kind of like it looked like you know you're trying to to use it to to put your name out there or your profile out there but you're not you're simply retelling stories that are being told to you and yours is coming from a you know a side of caring and and just you're interested in their stories you know you love golf you love them as a person and, and and what they stand for and what they're trying to achieve and, and you're just there to share it how people 
decide to to take that information and share it and if, if there's a news story great but that's not that's not what you're trying to achieve you're just putting the information out there and how people perceive it is up to them yeah i mean it's social media it's uh you know my wife and i just had this conversation yesterday is uh as i've grown that's definitely the hardest part of of the account is hey i'm going to have critics and i need to understand that and i need to focus on the hundreds and hundreds of nice messages I get and not even respond like I did yesterday. I shouldn't have responded. And, um, you know, and, and I got to stop focusing on the few, uh, that are negative. The fact is Daniel is, I hope that my stories come from a good place. I have no intention of, uh, I surely haven't made any money from this. So no, exactly. people, ask, <laughs> people ask me all that now. I mean, of course, things are happening. Like companies have reached out to me, and I, I might be able to make a small living from it at some point. But that's never the intention of the. I, I say the same answer all the time. The only reason that I want to make a living from this is so that I can keep it going. Because if I if I can't make some money from it, I need to go back to work. I was never yeah, intended like to to stay home for um for two years. I I haven't made any money, so. You know, financially, I either got to go back to work once we're all back to work, or uh, I got to figure out a way to make this living. If I don't, then I, I got to end the account uh, because I put a ton of time into it and the expectations are up that I would be on top of everything. So I can't do it part time. So that's the only reason I'm making looking to make a living. So I, I'm so appreciative. The, the messages yesterday were overwhelmingly supportive. And so and they are all the time. So. I need to find a better way to, to focus on that stuff. Yeah, and, and I get that. And I understand it's an important conversation to have with yourself and your partner there that, you know, you do need to ignore the critics. But it, it's not easy, is it? I mean, we talk about golfers that get, you know, critics online and, and in the media and they've got to just build their own wall around things like that. Well, you know, you're a guy that just started something from your home. It started it because you're interested. Suddenly, you know, 33,000 people are interested in what you've got to say. And of course you know 95 percent of them are going to love what you do and five percent are going to call you out um it's not just as easy to ignore it you know you i know you don't mind me probably saying is that you put a lot of money into live streaming an event yesterday that people have been crying out for you know we've been months now without any live golf and you out of the interest of your own heart and and your own sort of like belief in the in what you're doing you put the money into to make that work and and you have to justify that to a a small minority of people online. It must be quite frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I mean, I woke up at 2 a.m. and, I, you know, I'm mad about the few comments of like, hey, we thought we'd have more groups or <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, where's live scoring, which I have nothing to do with. The tournament director decides what the scoring is and, and people don't, you know, part of this is they're all being introduced to mini tours. Like live scoring at mini tours just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh the Outlaw Tour has done a great job, and this isn't an Outlaw Tour event, but in previous events doing live scoring, which is unheard of at the mini tour level. It just isn't doesn't happen. It takes a lot of volunteers and those kind of things, which mini tours don't ever have. So, yeah, I gotta. I, it is frustrating for sure, but again, I try to focus on on the 95%, and I need to learn to do that. Uh, I'm really proud of what the people that helped me do this. Uh, I mean, we streamed an event at a relatively pretty good uh, quality, in my opinion. <laughs> and we were like, we had no idea what we we're doing. And we, we kind of figured it out. And I'm really proud of it. And it, it does suck that, that people criticize it. But what are you going to do? It's the it's Twitter, it's the internet. Uh, and, and that's the way it goes. Well, look, you know, yesterday I, I tuned in as soon as the link went live and, you know, I had it on in the background and, and most of the time I was sitting there trying to watch as much as I could was doing other things. And the, the thing that really stuck me was that the quality was so good for something that it's not a professional production at the end of the day. It's what people don't seem to understand. It isn't, you know, it's not a CBS. It's not a, it, that's not right. what you've got going, is it? You know, this is someone that's volunteered their time to help you facilitate it. And, and bring as much as you can to golf. You can't start following the golf ball. You haven't got cameras for that. You, you're following the drives and you're following the second shots and you're, and you're following the putts. 
and and that's giving someone a bit of relief during a time when they're stuck indoors uh, and also bringing attention to an event that deserves recognition at the end of the day yeah. i mean again there was probably a bit more interest in it because there was three four five pga tour guys in the field um so from a betting and a, and a fantasy perspective i suppose that probably interests a lot more people but i think this is what people just don't or not everybody most people knew what you did um but the, the very few just didn't seem to understand that you've done more in what you did than than anyone could really possibly think of i mean this didn't this hasn't happened for the hundreds of years that mini tour events has been going on <laughs> you know yes this yeah. is modern day media so you're twitch is something that's helped you do that and and things like that and the technology allows you to do it but it still involves getting in touch with the right people and, and the organization and things like that yeah and I'm, my biggest frustration with yesterday and again we're talking about the small amount of comments the support uh has been has been great but my, my biggest frustration is uh, four other guys, basically I'm paying them a little bit, but per hour wage is probably about three bucks an hour as much as they put in to make this work. Um, they are not as used to the, uh, the negative comments and those kind of things. And they like did this, they're friends of mine and they worked their ass off in order to make this good. And, and those are the, they are the, the small minority is the, the comments that they remember and i hope at the end of the day they just like hey this is this is great we had amazing viewership and that really proves that it worked and so uh yeah i'm, I'm i feel too bad for them because they worked their tail off to to make this as good as we can but it is what it is you can't please everybody and that uh i really try to walk away that i'm I was very proud of it, and I'll be proud of it for the next two days. No, absolutely. I, you know, sort of take my hat off to you for putting it out there, and, and like I said, I put some comments on there for you just to say that I really appreciated it, and and a lot of people did, and you know, you deserve that, and and I suppose that generally that is the principle of the page as a whole, isn't it? Is that you're just trying to give as much information as you can about an under, not under, I don't know if it's underappreciated, but an under uh, covered type yeah. of golf really i mean this is something you know we see every now and then we see things like big break uh that be, yep. has been really shown on on the golf channel where you see these guys that have are trying to make a living and trying to make their steps on the tour and and, that, and that's you know there's 10 or 12 contestants or whatever it is in that and that and that doesn't even happen anymore so that that was a short period of time where they tried to make it work and people like tony fee now came from that tour and things like that but you know it it's just such a a hard thing to try and get going and i suppose where I'm trying to go with this is that you know you've built this following now and you've built what I consider a very good um, system and and information-based products that people are interested in. Where do you think you can go with it? How far? What do you think yeah. the potential of the page is? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I first started, I really thought that it was like I, I didn't know like was ten thousand going to be like the top. I, I just I can't believe that there's golf nerds out there. Obviously, the fact that there's no sports in the world except for right now has helped me. Um, but but I definitely think I mean this is a very niche market. This is um, you know this is a pretty down far down the wormhole of golf nerdery I call it. <laughs> um, you know, talking about the West Florida Tour or the Moonlight Tour or all those kind of things is, is pretty well um, down the down the wormhole. But, you know, I mean, I'm going to do a podcast. I got some exciting stuff coming up and tell these stories more in depth. I mean, my first guest is Luke Kwan, who's got an amazing story. He His choices were to either get a visa. Um, his visa was running out. And it was either to get a job and stay in the United States or leave his family who was here and move to New Zealand and where he knew no one, but they lived as a kid so he could become a citizen. Um, and that's what he did. He moved to a country and didn't see his family for two years as he played around the world in order to uh, come back and see his family. So uh, I'm going that direction. I'll do a podcast. I might do some more streaming, those kind of things. But yeah, there, there's a there's a ceiling that I assume I'm going to hit um, at some point. Um, but 
I'm going to keep going. I, I say it all the time. I said it in the article in golf.com is um, I'm going to do this until it's not fun anymore. And I love this very much. Uh, and I'm still happy to do it. And the players are happy to have it for the most part. So I'm going to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think there's probably one maybe not concern if you like but obviously now there's been such a big following up when you're putting streams out like you did yesterday and you're going to today that there was a massive following is is the concern then that when the pga tour and the corn ferry starts up again and, and that's all back on tv that that the interest drops dramatically i think you built a, a very big following up before that those so you should be able to keep a, a certain level and how helpful is it for you know things like DraftKings and and the betting side of things that really do peak a large pop, uh, a large percentage of people's interest in in events that you cover. Yeah, uh, I mean, there'll there'll definitely be a drop off for sure, but uh, I think that we've like mini tour golf has been very interesting to people, so I think they'll still be. Obviously, it won't be their main focus. Uh, yeah, and the and the DFS, the daily fantasy side of golf has has really changed it, um, and if and if online gambling still DraftKings and Bavada and those kind of things still continue to post big mini tour events, then then there'll be some focus. But I always say that like I built my following. It's obviously helped now, but my following was relatively big before. Yeah, I think people are just looking for the underdog stories, and I say all the time like I see Daniel's story or Eric's story, and I'm like, oh, that can't be top. You know, we're never gonna find another story, and then. A week later, I mean, I have a story I'm working on right now. The, the kid's been through an unreal uh, ordeal in his life in order to tee it up. He's playing in the Scottsdale Open. And, uh, you know, this, I, I thought Daniel, like, wow, that kid had $29, and he's been through this, and he's living in a van. This can't be it. This has got to be, you know, one of the top stories that I'll do. And then I hear this kid's story, and <laughs> it's like – all right, we're going to keep going. So I think the stories are endless, and that's what's good about Monday qualifiers and mini-tour events is there's just so many backgrounds and so many economic, financial uh, backgrounds and, and different ways that people have got there that the stories will kind of be endless. And I think that, for the most part, is what resonates with followers. And I don't think that part will end no matter – you know, if the tour's going or not. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the key sort of bit to take from that is, as you say, everyone does love an underdog story. And and certainly from the podcast I've done so far is that, that looking at the, the the viewing figures and the listening figures, um, a lot of people have been really interested in, in the guys that are not, have not had the best experiences. I've had major winning caddies on, on the podcast and I've had, you know, top 100 players in the world on the podcast at times. And but people are really interested in the guys uh, on the challenge tour or, or just got their first win on the European tour or things like that, you know, and, and this is something that shows what people are interested in. And I think it's fortunate for you that there is always going to be those storylines. There's always going to be someone that is going to be taking their next step into golf. There's going to be someone that was really good in college, uh, maybe had an unfortunate circumstance and, and couldn't go straight into the PGA tour because it, it's actually in the minority. It, it sort of appears that, what you're covering is a minority, but it's the minority of the people like the Matthew Wilson and the, and the Colin Morikawa that come straight out of college and and win on the PGA Tour. That doesn't really happen, does it? Whereas the guys that that you're covering, this happens every day. Yeah, I think that people, um, you know, people remember the Collins and the Matt Wolfs and those kind of things. But you know, I was just looking at the World Amateur rankings from uh, the. 2019 and it was like Colin and Matt Wolf, but you forget there's like Norman Zhang who's lost his card, uh, Andy Zhang who lost his card. And so you forget because Colin and Matt Wolf and those kind of guys have early success, they think, oh, the top amateurs just walk out there and do it. But, but Norman had the same advantages that those guys had, you know, sponsors, exemptions and uh, upfront money and all those kind of things. And, you know, he hasn't made it yet. I mean, he's obviously very young in his career, but, I mean, he lost Corn Ferry status. He'll be playing many tour events outside of if he can Monday qualify for the next year and a half. And he was one of the best amateurs in the world. 
And then another point that you brought up that I think, as far as the underdogs, what resonates with people is that what I've found about these players is the honesty. They don't have to answer to anyone. There's no club reps or agents or anyone involved. And they are just like an open, honest interview. And I don't think you get that at the top levels of golf because they have so much to protect in their bubble. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're right in what you say there. I mean, even even the level of the guys that I've been interviewing in the past, you know, they do have sponsors and they do have tour sort of regulations to worry about, but they are still open and honest. But the guys that you're speaking with are, they have nothing to not share. That They have nothing to worry about. There's no judgment. There's nothing. They're just going to share exactly what the scenario is and, and really just give you a real deep insight. And I think, like you say, that's why people love it so much because it is relatable and it's even relatable for guys that are on tour now because they remember back to when they weren't in that position i mean i think of a guy like uh you know ted potter jr for example that you know he won uh, on the pga tour he beat dustin johnson at you know at pebble beach but he was for a long time a hooters tour player that was that was yeah. his thing wasn't it and that's where he won a lot of times but he still it took a while to get to the main tour yeah i mean uh, I often put out Ted's uh, first year on the Corn Ferry Tour, whatever it was back then, the Web Tour. Um, I often put it out because it's one of the most unreal. The fact that he's a PGA Tour winner is is pretty remarkable. I mean, his first year when he finally made it, he was a dominant mini tour player and one of the few people that made a very good living on mini tours, but just could never make it through Q School. Finally did got his full card on the web.com tour. He missed uh, 23 cuts in a row, didn't make a single cut. And and I'm not talking by one or two. I mean, there was rounds in there. He shot 85 or 86. I mean, it was it's unreal. He, I think, broke uh, 70 twice the whole season. That's crazy. Um, and then lost his card, obviously, was gone for another two years, came back the next year got his card again, and I think he made five of 30 cuts or something like that, lost his card again. And, I mean, that's like to, first of all, to just have the the motivation to keep going after, like, just getting pounded to the ground each time you've got there is remarkable. The fact that he's a two-time PGA Tour winner is just, I mean, if you look at his scores from his first year on, on the Corn Ferry Tour, you would go, like, this guy has no chance, zero and uh i mean he's he's going to be on the pga tour for a long time yeah absolutely and as well there's there's guys uh another guy that I think about that we just all assume has, has been around for a while is harry higgs who's playing on the pga tour this year but he was playing latino america in 2015 and 2018 before he got his break and and it is just such fine margins between these tours you know yeah i use a harry higgs stat a lot too uh in harry higgs's first two uh tries at Q school at first stage, we're talking, he beat one person. Uh, he finished dead last the first time. And then, uh, he beat one person his second year. And luckily that guy shot like 85 the last day to like, so Harry could beat him. He beat one person at the, at the first stage of Q school in two years. And now he's on the PJ tour having a great year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Harry just to, I Harry is super is is so nice. He is uh he's helped out some of the guys that we've talked about, sent him money and those kind of things. And he's like, hey, I've been there before. Uh, you know, here's five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever to help with it. He's just been super supportive of of me and most importantly of of the golfers that I that I uh, I often get. He paid for uh, Q school. Latin American Q school for a couple of players. I mean, he's just been a great story because not a lot of golfers, once they make it to the PJ tour, look back and help the guys. But Harry has been super supportive saying rightfully. So it's like, Hey, I was in that position for a long time and now, now I'm able to help. Yeah. And, and it shows it again, he does show how quickly it can change. Isn't it? I mean, he won on the Latino American tour in 2018 in October then goes and wins on the Corn Ferry Tour last July and, and was very close to winning on the PGA Tour this season as well. So it, it can change very quickly for these guys. They just need 
uh, a good support system around him if they can get it. Um, they they need a bit of financial backing because that's, it's not easy to come by. There's not unlimited money, especially in times like this. Um, but also they just need a chance, and that's what these Monday qualifiers uh, give them, and and that's where the page really comes from, and and what you're trying to promote. Yeah, uh, I mean it. You know, again, Corey Connors, even though he had limited status, I mean his life changed. Uh, it's it's changed his career. I mean he's he's gonna you know he was in talks for a President's Cup. I said it all the time at the end of last year is, you know, we're talking 15 weeks ago. Corey Connors was playing at a Monday qualifier for the Valero Texas Open, which is well down the list of prominent events on the PGA Tour. Uh, if you can't get into Valero, your status is is pretty rough. And then, you know, 15 weeks later, he was playing at the Tour Championship. The next week, he was playing in the Masters. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's life-changing stuff. Uh, and that's why you see 100 guys teed up for four spots. Um, all the time because that carrot is out there that their life can change in 90 holes yeah absolutely and and going on from that subject you know we've we've had limited opportunities to to tear up uh, or the players have sorry um in recent times and there was a massive backlash wasn't there recently when when it was announced that vj singh would be playing in the first uh corn ferry tour start um what's your what's your take on something like that do you think that because so from my perspective, I think well, you know, he needs to play here, or he wants to play golf somewhere. That's the place that's given the opportunity. It's not like he can go to the PJ Tour and he's not playing. He just can't play in that event. Um, but some guys will see it as he's taking someone else's spot. But there's probably ten, twenty, thirty players that can take that spot, and it's hard to then give to to one or the other. Yeah, uh, I mean, I am really torn on this because I am, you know, I'm kind of the champion of the underdog. Yeah. And the fact is, if he pulled out, then the first alternate would get in the event. But also, uh, I say all the time that, like, if I, I've, we've kind of hashed this out amongst people privately, is like, if I won 34 tour PGA Tour events, I probably just want to play. I've probably earned the right to play whenever I want. <laughs> and so from that, I think, I think Phil Mickelson put it. He got in the debate, and I think he put it in perfectly. Is is the web or the Corn Ferry Tour loses money every year? The PGA Tour subsidizes it and and makes it a tour. So in essence, uh, VJ, you know, subsidized that tour for a long, long time, and I think that probably gives him the right to tee it up. Yeah, absolutely. And as well, I think yeah, it, there's probably some guys even in. In the Scottsdale Open, that are, that are getting probably, I don't, I haven't really seen it as much this week, but I think you know, you look at Nate Lashley's who, who's leading at the moment, and and the other guys, Kevin Strillman, that are teeing it up, and Joel Damon, and people might say, well, you know, you're playing at a level that you really shouldn't be competing at, but they need the reps ready for when they start in June, and and it also brings a higher profile to the tour and, and potentially sponsorship money and things like that in the future. Yeah, I mean, the, I I guarantee the Scottsdale Open is very happy to have. Joel Damon and those guys there. I mean, they had uh, a sponsor for their pro-am, their purse grew, all those kind of things. They are more than happy to do there. And, and from a player's perspective at a mini tour event, uh, I have this debate a lot too. When Alex Shaka won a couple of mini tour events is, is the guys say often is like, Hey, I want to get to the PGA tour. And I expect when I get there that I'm going to be able to compete why shouldn't I just beat them now? Yeah. Uh, so they take it as, as an opportunity to prove that they belong more than they take it as a negative that these guys are taking money out of their pockets because at the end of the day, on the PJ Tour, they got to beat players way better than a 57-year-old VJ or a, 40, <laughs> a 49-year-old Alex Chaka. I mean, it's just the facts. There's nothing against VJ or Alex Chaka. They're just older and not as good as they once were. And so, you know, these guys who are all, their goal is to ultimately get to the PJ Tour. They're going to have to beat players way better than that. Yeah, I think that was my take, especially with Chaker there as well, is that he is, he's playing pretty well, actually, on the PJ Tour this season, solidly. Um, but like you say, he's at the, the twilight of his career. And, and also, he's not been the most consistent winner or the highest profile player over the years anyway. So it's a very good barometer for these players to test where their game's at and like you say especially against Vijay who's who's missed something like seven of his last eight cuts 
Um, and you know he hasn't even played that much in that time. So he's not he's not in the form of his life, but he's still good enough that you can go right. Well, if I can play to his level, I can contend on the PGA Tour, or I can at least make a weekend on the PGA Tour. If you can't beat him, you you know you're going to struggle to win that event anyway, regardless of where he's in the field. Yeah. Uh, I mean, John Manganese, who, who grinded on tour and has, has a great show on, on Sirius Satellite, uh, replied to the tweet about Alex Chica that I put out and said, if you're getting beating, getting beat consistently by a 49-year-old ranked 604th uh, player in the world, then maybe you should dust up your resume. And he's not <laughs> talking just one event. He's saying if you're consistently cannot beat Alex Chica, why are you why are you trying to to chase it like you know you're on you guys are going supposedly opposite directions he's on the, you know Alex is on the way down of his career you guys are on the way up you should be able to beat him at least part of the time uh, again because the competition on the tour is even better than Alex Jacob yeah absolutely and as well I think yeah Alex Jacob had to put together a really strong back nine. I think he went like five or six under his last four holes or something to even win that event. So if yep. he doesn't, if he doesn't win the event, he it's a bit of a non-story in the fact that he hasn't taken someone's spot. So people are not mad, but he was still there to shine a limelight. People were still interested in the event because he was teeing it up, regardless exactly. from the start. So it's still a positive thing. So yes, he did win the prize money and. And does he have, should he donate it back? Maybe, maybe you should donate it back to the field. But again, it's so hard to to justify that. And we also don't know from him personally what he's done with that money. He might have donated it all to charity and done a good thing with it anyway. So we don't, we have absolutely no idea what their intentions are. All we know is they teed it up. He played well for a day and and won the event. And and I just think these guys have got really, you know, VJ's maybe a little bit different. He's earned a lot, a lot of money over the career. And I can see the basis of the negativity. I just, I think. The, the aggression and, and the mad attitude is, is misdirected. I think if anyone should be to blame, it's the tour for making it that he shouldn't have just been able to go and play in the PGA Tour. He probably earned his right to be in that field. And if he was yes. allowed to play in that event, he would have done. And then the Corn Ferry story isn't a, isn't, is a non-story. Exactly. And to go back to Alex, uh, I mean, he beat a friend of mine in a playoff. Eddie Olson's been great to me, and we've become friends. Yeah. And Eddie said the same thing. He's like, A, I don't care about who I'm in the playoff, and B, even if Alex said, "Hey, uh, Eddie, here's here's a check," I wouldn't take it. And Eddie needs the money. Like Eddie's a grinder, and needs the money. But he's also a competitor, and he's not going to just take a donation. He wants to earn it. He believes he belongs. I think that it goes into. I mean, I talk to many tour players all the time who know that they're going to be the uh, on the PJ tour, whether they are ever going to make it or not. And that's the mentality that they have to have in order to their to keep this going. So Eddie wasn't going to take money from Alex. Even if Alex said, Hey, here's the winning, here's the winning check. He's like, I want to earn it. I don't care if it was Alex Jacob or Joe Blow or VJ or, or Tiger Woods. I want to beat him. I was in a playoff. I had a chance. I didn't close. I don't deserve the money. So I, I think that there's a competitive side of, of players that is far greater than most of us think. And they don't, they don't want to be, they're not a charity they want to go out and earn what what they they're living yeah absolutely and i think it's really important that you say that i think there is actually probably more there's more people sitting at home and tweeting being mad about it than the actual field themselves i think the players are probably excited to to have the chance to tee up against these guys they you know there might be an impairing one of one of them they can learn something from playing against them um and like you say there eddie olsen had a great chance of winning it wasn't a case of you know he got blown away by six shots he was right there and that's testament to his game. And he'll take that confidence going, right, well, he had to perform at his very best to beat me. Um, yes. and, and that can only be a good thing, I think. Obviously, the, you know, the, the, the minuscule amount in terms of money when you look at it and compared to a PGA event that he could have earned, yes, that would have helped him. But it wouldn't it wouldn't change his life, whereas the win and and the confidence that he got from that can. Yes. And I say this all the time is, like, these guys, I have never, I've asked this question to players, mini tour players all the time, and I've asked it off the record. And so I give them the honest, like, hey, I won't put this out if you say you hate that these guys are teeing it up in the event. I'm just asking you, what do you feel? And he, you know, every person that I've ever asked, and I've asked a lot, is like, I'm happy to have them in the event. It brings, like you had said before, 
it brings more eyeballs to the event. That helps these guys. You know, if Eddie Olson would have won that playoff, it might help his career. You don't know who was watching. Oh, he can beat Alex Jacob or whatever. Those kind of things is so. And they all say to a T again is they have to beat these guys consistently, whether it's at a mini tour event in Arizona or at TPC Sawgrass on the PJ Tour. They got to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just before I let you go here, Ryan, just a couple of things I want to sort of point out is that, you know, we're, we're talking about, I still think even from your page and what people do digest, I think when you think about Monday qualifiers, you, you're also going to go to the Corey Connors and and, and the Doc Redmonds and, and Patrick Reeds and people like that as, as names that have really made a success out of it. Austin Cook as well is, is another one that, that had a good uh, Monday qualifying record. Um, but who, who do you think is that could possibly be coming up now that could really make some starts and, and get into some fields and, and really make a run at having a successful PJ Tour career that we don't possibly know about at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, two guys. Uh, Mark Anguiano is probably, and Matt Picanso are the two guys. They both play out west and actually are, are friends um, and are probably the best players not on any major tour right now. They're just like Matt and Mark have had unreal runs as of late one, uh, tons of events. Matt has a, Matt and Mark have a great story, but Matt Picanso, uh, played one year of college golf, quit after a family member died, kind of lost his way, was very close with his godfather and really got in some, in with a bad crowd and, um, did quit golf didn't touch a club for five years. Yeah. And then in order to get his uh, life back in order, he said, I needed something that like would create discipline. He like really focused on golf started again at 26 and he's 37 years old. And he's probably one of the best mini tour players in the, in the whole world right now. Yeah. And he's winning everything. Uh, just one last week again. Um, I mean, it's a great story. So, uh, if he gets, if there is Monday qualifiers, uh, I would look to him, and Mark Anguiano has has had a really good career. Um, struggled with some injuries, made some swing changes, working with Bradley Hughes, who who works with Brendan Todd, and kind of brought him back. And uh, he's playing unreal lately. Just won, I think, the two weeks ago. And so, yeah, those guys, if they get Monday qualifying goes and they get into an event, those are guys that could easily change their their career in, in 90 holes for sure and that was the other thing i was going to ask you is is do you know what the status of the chance of monday qualifiers being being a thing this season i know or obviously i think i think i saw a tweet saying that they are still considering them being a factor every week but i don't know how easy that's going to be with with the limited fields they're going to have to put out yeah i i think that uh so as of now the corn Ferry tour is still discussing it i've heard some rumors that it's confirmed that they are, but I think in this in this time right now, everything is so liquid. So I had heard that Monday qualifiers on the PGA Tour were canceled 100%. I heard it from a very good source who I trust and who has told me stuff like and has the know-how or, or the know of whether it's true or not. So I didn't put it out there, but I had known it, that it was going to be canceled. Then all of a sudden – Two, they are going to have Monday qualifiers, but it's only going to be two spots. I think everything right now is so liquid that there's just no – until June, I don't think that when they actually tee it up and they have to make a decision, that, that it's kind of changing. I've heard that, yes, there's going to be ones with limited spots on both tours, but I think logistically it's it's really hard. I just talked with a player you know, the other day. He said, what if I – Monday qualify, I go get a test and I test positive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing is, and I think obviously for your, uh, for the benefit of the page, and I think for for the account and things like that, obviously we want these Monday qualifiers to go on, especially so for the players who who really are in search of that life changing moment. That hopefully they do go ahead. But like you say, there there is just so many factors that go in. Uh, to that happening so we'll just have to stay tuned and, and see what happens and hopefully when we go back to the tour i mean even the pga tour itself we don't know if the events are going to carry on because we've got to wait and see what happens at colonial and and at the corn ferry tour in, in tpc as well as to to see how successful they run and 
and we and we really don't know where we are, do we? I think we're all playing a guessing game. And I was hoping, sort of, you know, I'm sort of ten episodes into this podcast now, and and the first one was the first week of lockdown, and we were sort of guessing and and wondering and speculating. And I thought by now we'd sort of have some more concrete information, but such is the world as it is now. We can't really um write anything in concrete but i just thought i'd sort of get your ideas and, and see where we are at the moment and and hopefully these carry on but um ryan just want to thank you for coming on i think we you know you've got another stream uh, to deal with today um at the scottsdale open with um is it callum hill and, and andre metzger and daniel munichi as well so you know there's there's another good group to follow there yeah uh yeah we'll have it on uh i don't i don't know what time it is there but we'll have it on in three 30 Eastern Standard Time, and uh, and then tomorrow we'll we're working on having two streams or one stream bouncing back and forth in between uh, the leaders, but we'll definitely be following the leaders tomorrow as as well as we can. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. And thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ryan, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Cheers.